Good morning. On this bowl of question crunch, Ian Phillips is here to talk about his career in painting miniatures, answering questions about his process, some tools of the trade, and painting monsters from a Lisa Frank universe. I have been endlessly amazed by everything you paint, every single miniature that you post, it just blows my fucking mind. I, I, I don't know how to, I don't even know how to even remotely downplay how amazing your stuff is. That's not even a question. I'm just commenting to you. You're like, <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Um, what, and I've been always curious about like, where does that, uh, it's weird to say, where does that town come from? But I would like to know, like, what is your history painting miniatures? Oh, that started back when I was about 12. I'd go to the mall and see, like, a game shop or, like, a games workshop set up with their little terrain or, like, their display cases. And I thought that was so cool. And and then when we started playing Dungeons and Dragons, I wanted to, like, you know, paint my miniature, paint my character. And from there, it just kind of grew and grew. And then um, I did the band thing, so the painting went on the back burner for a while and how to be a cool rock star for like five seconds. And then um, I started picking it up actually a little before I started dating your sister. I made her paint a model with me one night. It was horrific, but she survived. As someone who has a hard time painting, cause like I just, I, I, I always have a, I have trouble controlling the brush. Like with, with pens or pencils, I can feel the impact on the paper. When it comes to a brush and not being able to, I don't know, it's just painting has never been a thing for me, let alone painting such a small thing as a miniature. Well, I'm nearsighted, so that helps. I take these <laughs> off. Everything right here is super detailed and great, so when I have to look far away, I have glasses to help, as you well know. So now, you have... Oh, go, oh, well, I was going to say, you have um, a lot of really cool lighting on the miniatures that you paint and you post, but one of the really amazing things that I loved was uh, that you, if, if a character is holding a lamp, you painted a light from the lamp on there, and it makes such a really awesome effect. <laughs> uh, that's called OSL Object Source Lighting. So you cheat and use an airbrush. So you just kind of, you know, holding the light somewhere like this little model here. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can move it right there. So if I want her to light up, I'll like aim as a circle in the beginning of her hand and then work in circles out and then gently go back and back and back and pull and they'll give you that lighted effect. So that's so cool. To cheat, you can do it with a brush, but it takes forever. An airbrush cheats and makes it look amazing. Cheats are fine. Like uh, people will say cheat or they're like, oh, I found like a hack. And I'm like, no, that's the whole thing about art. If you find those little like clues and find little secrets that you can play with, do it. That's that's the whole process. Um, but, I, but I think, Jimmy, as an artist, you realize and you're educated enough to know that it it isn't the labor you put into it. You know, Picasso did one, you know, one flick of a wrist and it was a Picasso because he practiced that. 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 times to be able to go flick, flick in that famous quote he has on the napkin where he does something and he wants $10,000 for it or whatever because it took him a lifetime to do it. That's the whole thing. And I think especially in the miniature painting world, the videos you watch are 
how can I do this thing? This person's been painting for so long, drawing for so long. You know how to get there quick. And it looks like magic to someone who's beginning or doesn't have the skill set yet. And it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> it's a lot of pressure to like, you could do it too if you put the time and energy into it. And I've told uh, plenty of folks that being an artist means that you're going you're gonna to pretty much be at school for the rest of your life because you're going to be doing homework every single day and studying and working on that when uh, just long hours working on homework. Yeah, if you want to be good. And you are phenomenal. Some of the color choices that you make are just breathtaking. Uh, I feel like any kind of... Anytime anyone in any kind of Zoom meeting or conversation, if someone mentions D&D, well, I'm not, I'm not a D&D person myself, and so the only thing I've got is you. And so when someone says, uh, they're like, oh, I'm interested in D&D, I was like, so, you like miniatures? <laughs> Check out this account that I know. <laughs> Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you. I'm I'm going to be I I'm just like a constant hype man whenever it comes to anyone whenever I know an artist doing something I have to recommend them. <laughs> you are definitely the biggest cheerleader I know for everybody you enjoy their art of for sure. Where does and your handle is Iron Tusk. That's where people can find you on Instagram and social yeah. media and everything, right? Yeah, Iron Tusk um, painting. Yeah. I know you're on TikTok. I I just followed you because I found I, I saw that you mentioned that you were on TikTok and I was like, all right, I'll follow you. But I'm barely ever on that app. It's a it's an interesting app. I'm at an age where I probably shouldn't be there, but I'm still young enough to get it. I'm in that zillennial wavefront. So I get it, but mine are basically just whatever I posted as a stupid little video on Instagram. You know, and so I'm trying to, man. It's I don't have that knack. There's some really good TikTok accounts. There are some really good TikTok accounts. I just feel like uh, whenever I go on TikTok and it says, do you want to follow these people? I'm like, no. I, I just automatically want to go to the people I'm already following. I don't, <laughs> which is not what TikTok wants. TikTok wants right. to advertise people. So I'm like, no, nope. I want to go to the people I know. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes you find great people through the people you know. I just follow like, Cat videos mostly for your niece, so we can pull them up quick. And then um, other artists and stuff. But I don't know. I find watching mostly other miniature paintings kind of boring, not because they're not talented. It's just I already know what they're doing. I'm not learning anything new. So I always follow, like, the Spanish ones that are, like, so advanced. You know, they're doing, like, you know, two-dimensional non-metallic metallic on a three-dimensional. And it's, like, incredible. So what does that mean? So, you know, like in the Renaissance when they were using basically the grayscale to create chrome on like armor. Yeah. So instead of using like a metallic paint with metallic pigments in it, you're literally recreating a non-metallic metallic finish on a miniature as if it was like a Rembrandt or something. That's amazing. What would, what, what does that entail? I haven't seen that. Uh, like literally depends on the metal color, but grays, whites, blacks, and then you just Go back and forth until you build them up. And some people can do it so good, it looks like chrome. And there's no chrome paint. It's all just sky reflection, earth reflection, a white line. It's amazing. I'm still working on that. I'm looking very forward to that. Uh, where does the name Iron Tusk come from? Well, 
don't know. Uh, one night I was stoned out of my mind listening to Mastodon and the song Iron Tusk came on. And I was like, that's it. There it is. <laughs> that's perfect. Never realizing how many letters an Iron Tusk miniature painting at gmail.com would be. So I started that and then eventually I got it down to just Iron Tusk painting. I've been trying to look for Iron Tusk, but it's all like taken already. So got to do what you got to do. But yeah, you remember those nights at the condo coming over? Yeah. No, I, 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 she couldn't <laughs> believe her. Uh, hey, Zeus came from. <laughs> I, uh, I, I know that there's always like really amazing breakthroughs whenever, whenever drugs are involved, there's break. Don't do drugs, kids, but they are pretty awesome. <laughs> Don't do drugs that will eat away your life savings and destroy your relationships. But if you can handle it, a little <laughs> goes a long way. I actually was watching the uh, Grateful Dead documentary on uh, Amazon. I think it's, uh, I think it's called like Weird Trip or something. It's Strange. Right. Strange Trip, maybe. I think your sister watched it. I think it's Strange Trip. It's really awesome. And I was just thinking about when you were talking about learning, figuring out the name Iron's Husk, it made me think of the Grateful Dead one where he opens up the dictionary and he's like, that word looks neat. And it's like, sometimes that works that way. Kind of was. Kind of was that way. Yeah. I thought it was cool. What do I know? I think now it's got a nice the... ring to it. Well, then I had to come up with a logo idea. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what's an iron tip? You remember? I gave it to you the first time. I'm like, you figure it out, Jimmy. Oh, I suck at logos. <laughs> I suck at logos. <laughs> it took you nine months to come up with a dog. And I was like, I don't know. When, so. whenever, whenever an artist comes, whenever someone comes to me, he's like, hey, I'm looking for a logo. I'm like, I'm not your guy. Not at your least guy. you know. At least you know. And that's like, yeah, I want you to do this. Eh, not my thing. Not my thing. I feel like logos are so tricky because you have to deal with the font and you have to deal with like a million types of fonts and a million ways you can do the million different fonts. And then when you find a font, it's like, oh, well, I can I can change it this way. I can stretch it this way. I can make a thickness, thinness. I'm like, it's a it's a headache. (laughs) Commissions suck. You know that. Commissions are pain in the ass. I'm okay with commissions when they have full faith in me. <laughs> like anything you do is golden and you're done. Yeah. Do you know how rare that is in miniature painting? I want a guy with a feather coming out of both eyebrows and like he's got like two nostril rings, but they're in the fourth dimension, but they got to be a color no one's ever seen before. Can you give me any art references? No. So you try you it. You got like, it. I, I don't mm-hmm. like it spent like four or five hours painting one nostril now i think i've mentioned this in the podcast before but have you ever gotten the the request where someone uh someone says hey where's that thing and you're like you never mentioned that thing it's like oh well i want it you're like cool that would have been really helpful if you mentioned that when i was working on it yeah i've had a few of those or they want to switch up i did a um a teramat which is like that five-headed dragon and each dragon is a particular color classically. And the person wanted, after I'm all done, and they were like, oh, I wanted this color for this one and that one. I'm like, I'm not doing this again. I'll take off a few hundred bucks, you get it, or I'll sell it and make the same money back. See ya. <laughs> and they didn't tell you the colors that they wanted prior to you painting? They just figured I'm going to read their mind or something. That's so bizarre. I feel like a lot of people don't know that artists are just creating something completely out of nowhere. They don't. Jimmy, they don't. 
They have no clue, man. They just think you have their vision or they'll go, do it like this. Or my favorite, you have a style, Jimmy. I have a style. I, you know, maybe we don't see our own style, but people can pick out our own style. And then they want you to do something in completely somebody else's style to copy. You know, like, I, I can't do that. Hire that artist to do it in their style. So, you know, what are you going to do? I've told people I can get pretty close, but it's still going to look like mine. And if someone's like, oh, can you draw it like Alex Ross? I'm like, oh, nope. <laughs> I'm hiring you for your artist skill. I'm hiring you because I want your style. So that's how it should be. I am flattered that someone thinks I can do Alex Ross style, but I'm definitely nowhere near that level. <laughs> well, that's great. Yeah. But, you know, like, you know, it's, it's like, um, what is that? Coop, that Coop style, that really kind of pinnapy voluptuous style. You know, I can, I can see people, can you do it like this? You're like, I'll do my own version of it. Sure. One, one thing that I really loved was I got a script where, uh, someone, someone told me that a character has to be laying down on the ground. And right. I kept thinking to myself, there's so many ways you can lay down on the ground. I need to know more context. Is this person dead? Is the person laying down sexy? I need, uh, what the fuck? <laughs> Are they prone? Are they spread eagle? Are they holding their head up? Are they daydreaming? Are they holding their ears out? If I draw then, someone with their arms crossed on their chest, that has a whole different look. <laughs> is it a, are they faking it? Well, I tell you, that's how your knees sleep sometimes. Oh. A vampire. <laughs> Catcher, too. Gothic girl. Are, are they laying on their arm? I need to know much more context. Uh, when, and then it's the face. Then I, yeah. you, got the, you, got, you got the pose down. Now are they happy? Are they sad? They're doing some kind of weird face, and they're making fun of a face. If they're dead, what killed them? Did someone pose them in that position, or did they blow? Did, did they get shot, and now they're on the ground? Right. What I stage of decomposition? Know. Are they bloaty? They got the flies yet? You know? Well, yeah. It's, but I don't think people think on that detail. That's why we're artists. We, we, it's like a like a bumblebee in a hive, right? It just explodes, and you have all these other ideas, and you want to focus those ideas. So you don't have to do like a thousand drafts, but at the same time, you want to give them all the options at the same time. Yeah. Um, speaking of decomp decomposition, uh, I, I forget what website it was, but when I was at uh, Midsummer Scream one time, I was in line and the person who uh, I think she was in front of me or behind me, but she started talking about it and she works in, I think it was props okay. or special effects, something like that. But she had a website that she has to look up gory shit like she has to look up how bodies decompose or if a body gets cut how flesh looks like when it's cut do you have a website like that to help i have the internet google images so i mean i guess you I'm could type it way. in yeah it's like <laughs> that's i asked for a lot of art reference so like mm -hmm. give me art reference tell me like oh i want dark steel Give me some references i can use and then once i have a gathering of references as long as i'm in that ballpark of references I'm okay. But if they're like, make it silver and I make it like aluminum, right? So like, that's not what I meant. I meant antique Victorian silver dummy. No, you know, Jimmy. I totally know. And it's really weird how even the color palette changes everything. If you okay. tell me where to go, I can, I can, I can match colors uh, along that genre, but you have to give me something. Yep. I totally get it. Like if someone tells me, uh, I, if someone told me that there's such a difference, 
So let's take the color, I don't know, red. Let's take the color red. If you tell me that we want from Wes Anderson versus Ralph Bakshi, I'm going to know what kind of red I need to lean towards. And so very different. And, uh, well, okay, so I want to go back to the decomposition because one of my favorite things was when... Yeah, these are all red. (laughs) All these are red. Vampire red, lip red, Mars red, pink red, whatever. To your point. Red a thousand different reds. And then you mix that red with other stuff to make a completely different red. (laughs) Wet palette, right? Here's red. I'll put my (laughs) phone. Mixed up with other colors to do purple, red, blue, blood. Yeah, I get it. I get it, Jimmy. <laughs> um, I, I I got one script where someone had to stab someone, and I looked up a lot of photos of people getting stabbed because I was like, I've never actually seen someone get stabbed. I don't know how that looks. I've only seen movies, and I I mean, if I draw someone's hand against a body. You don't know if there's a knife. You don't know if someone's got cut. I have to make it look somewhat real. And then well, you have to put it off twist. to an angle. Yeah, you have to put it yeah. off to an angle to show the impact of that knife. Yeah, I get it. I get it. What is your process when creating a figure? Um, if you're saying, like, I build a figure, I really don't do that. But, like, let's just say, like, I have to use, like, Hero Forge to create a miniature. Um. Again, art references. Give me as much as you can. Uh, and sometimes you get stuck in a position where like, if they have feathers everywhere, and in particular, the builder doesn't have a, the feathers in the right spot. So you either – it depends on the client, too. Some clients are going to, like, I'm adamant about where these feathers are. You're going to have to sculpt feathers out of, like, a two-part epoxy, that green stuff or a brown stuff or a gray stuff. Or you're lucky enough to be able to go ahead and get the, the modeler, the um, 3D modeler, to have something close enough. And then from there, it's just painting and using the references and zooming in and then applying your own style. And you have a 3D printer now, and I love those. Does that help? Like, uh, are you able to – so you said you have a 3D modeler. Do you make the feathers on there? Because I remember uh, many years ago, you showed me that you add stuff with resin. You are able to sculpt stuff and add stuff to the sculpture. And is that the same thing when you're saying the 3D modeler that you're just like – here goes a feather, and you were able to put it there. Right. There's some uh, there's some programs to do that. I have I have a lot of 3D printers, and um, you use um, once in a while you'll get something from an artist that are like pre-supported, and you can pull it into a slicer program. And that slicer program will then read all the individual layers, and then render it out, and then you can just put it into the the printer, and the printer will build it layer by layer by layer by layer. But I don't really do any 3D artistry like in ZBrush or anything like that. I, I, I have friends who can. So I just, hey, can you do this for me? Hey, here's this. Can you break this apart? So I don't particularly have any skill sets in that. But Jamie, ZBrush, if you don't have the skill set, get that skill set. You'll be rich. Good to know. I'll keep that in mind. Because you can just do you can do freelance miniature or character development. And then send it out to them, take a portion of like a Kickstarter or whatever, and be rich. Would you recommend ZBrush? I don't even know what ZBrush is. I haven't even seen that one. ZBrush is... About... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was thinking, because uh, I was looking at Blender, because Blender's free, and I was playing with that for a little bit. Uh, but you recommend ZBrush? ZBrush. Blender is good. ZBrush is better. ZBrush, you can like create like almost like a sculpt out of like three-dimensional, and then you can shape it all up. Look up ZBrush Tutorials. And you'll see what I'm talking about. That's like what they use in the movies to create like 
aliens and everything else. And uh, the more polygrams, the smoother it is, but then you got to export, but everybody builds on it. I'll send you a couple uh, people that build miniatures and figures in ZBrush, and then they have their own like Patreon and all that. So, yeah, I would definitely like to check that out. Uh, you could do like, you know, been better in all your mm-hmm. characters and then get them 3D printed in. I'll do it for you. Deal. Deal. Um, but what I love about your uh, miniatures is uh, one thing that I always see that um, I don't think I see anywhere else is that you add stuff to the base. Like, uh, you add bushes, you add grass, you add uh, uh, rocks, and it just uh, it, it it adds a lot to it. And it was something so seemingly insignificant, but it just it makes things real for me. It's just fantastic. Um, and that's another step that I was curious about, uh, creating a figure is like, how do you get to that point where you're like, this needs this thing. And I know it from the comic perspective, but it's so strange. Like whenever I see an art that I'm not familiar with doing that thing, it's just like, ah, where does that mindset come from? The base scene is pretty common in a lot of war game terrain. We'll do a base, like a grass base or rock or terrain. Um, it just depends on the figure and where it's at and what I feel like doing. I don't know. It's just whimsical at this point. You know, for example, like this guy, he's uh, like a Frankenstein orc. I don't know if I can get him closer to the thing. So I just did rocks, right? I just did rocks and I just dip it. I have this tub that anytime I go someplace that's interesting, I'll grab a handful of dirt and throw it in this tub. So it has like sand dune dust. I have white sand for white sands, New Mexico. When I was there for like five minutes, uh, it's got gravel, it's got bits and it just, it's random. So it's all just thrown on there. And then another one will be like, I'm just starting this guy. He's a, like a large goblin. He has no base yet. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. I'll figure it out. But then I cheat. Like we talked about earlier, I resin 3d printed or precast resin bases that are already done for you. Just throw them on there. Makes it easy. And it also leads to like an army or, or um, a D&D band of characters. Having the same base also unites them. Like if I get a band of characters, I try to find one color, each the same color on each of them. One could be a shoe, one could be a backpack, an arrow, whatever it is. Try to make one color work and they're all in the same type of base. Kind of unites the group. It's interesting that you say unite because I feel like a lot of people don't know how important that is. Because uh, if you have like a superhero and you want to unite the costume, you want certain themes, you want certain colors being like used multiple places. And if you have an army and you want them to all seem like an army that's all teamed up together, you want reoccurring colors to let people know that this is a team. Right. That's very common. That's why they, when they paint armies for like Warhammer, Warhammer 40K, they're all the same miniature, the same color, the same scheme, the same everything. So it's just united front on the table and looks fantastic. Different colors are fun when you want it to be emphasized that this is a hodgepodge of characters, that they're not really unified. They're fighting together, but they're not organized. They're not <laughs> right. So you get something like an orc army. So the skin or maybe the armor will all be generally the same, but then you put rust in different places and mismatch weapons, but the skin and the armor color and chipping will all kind of unite the craziness, if you will. I love talking to anyone about color theory and letting them know that there's a lot of shit that artists are trying to get your mind to do all of the work 
and they're just manipulating your mind to subconsciously get you there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love color theory. I love playing with it. I have the color index Bible. You can mess around and get like crazy, like, just turquoise off of light turquoise off of light turquoise, and then you have a splash of, like, purple just to kind of break it all up or whatever it may be. But, yeah, color theory is amazing. And I know I mentioned that in Zoom meetings, whenever someone says anything about D&D, uh, I bring you up. There's been so many screen shares where I'll just scroll to your Instagram. I'm like, oh, check this out. Oh, check this out. And a lot of time will go past. And I'm like, oh, shit, I've totally hogged the Zoom. Well, no regrets. Uh <laughs> Those poor people. It's like forcing them to watch YouTube channels they don't want to watch, but they're being polite. You know, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a shame. Uh, appreciate this and give him a follow. <laughs> yeah, check this guy out. <laughs> no, but seriously, send the follows. All the follows. All He's the got follows. his links. He's got his social media. You, you're on that me- app? Cool. Uh, follow Iron Tusk everywhere. All of them. All of them. <laughs> uh, what has been one of your favorite creations? This last one I did, uh, it's called The Shade Mother for Critical Role. It was, it was, I got the art, I got the file, I printed them all out. I took a few times to print them to get them oriented right. Um, sometimes you, you think you got it and then like you just missed this one, they called islands. It's this one little layer that no supports on to hold up the model part, like to grow a thumb or like your hands out like this. And if you don't have this one part here, you have no thumb, you know, it just doesn't grow out. So it took a few, and once we got it right, it was really cool. And then it was like this giant bug you know, sacky kind of gross thing. And it was fun. And then, you, you know, you just start having fun. You base it on the uh, the artwork. The, and then I just did my own thing to it and I got approved. It was really fun. So when you say the islands thing, is that the, because like I've seen 3D printing and I'm not too, I'm still not too familiar with every okay. element behind it. When you say islands, those are the sticks, right? Those are the supports. The islands okay. would be like little sections the supports attached to to build the structure out. And depending on how you orient the model, where the, the the slicer program will detect the first little bits where everything is, and it doesn't detect all of them. And sometimes if it doesn't, you don't catch it with a manual scan, or it just gets missed, it may not print half the model because it's just that one little micro area that needed to support the entire build didn't get supported, so the printer goes right past it and doesn't build on it. So it's 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 a lot of trial and error. And I realized that when I said stick and I did a hand gesture that everyone listening to the podcast doesn't know what I'm doing. Vertical, vertical stick that right. lets, lets the printer know that a thumb needs to happen. And if the stick right. isn't there, the thumb's not going to happen because the computer's not going to read your mind yet. <laughs> not yet. It's getting there. We're getting there. It's going to suck when you do a 3D print and the computer puts an ad on the back of your character. <laughs> or you'll just pay for the, the, the monthly fee to avoid all ads. <laughs> pay this and your orcs won't have an ad for foot cream <laughs> exactly unless you wanted to be the foot cream orcs you know maybe it'll work in your advantage jokes on them i am fine with ads uh bungaloids it's, it's amusing because youtube uh i love i i love when youtube fine tunes my ads where they're mm-hmm. like here here's some movie trailers i'm like yeah i won't skip a movie trailer that's that's the best. I'm I'm the market for movie trailers. If I'm doing 3D printing and you want to put a movie trailer on the back of my character, I'm game. Let's do this. But don't you see the same movie trailer? So it's like, oh my god, not this one again. 
it depends on what movie it is. Okay, that's true. Because like I want to watch Deep Water on Hulu. That movie just came out. Uh, that looks sexy as hell. Um, but the trailer is boring. I don't want to watch the trailer over and over again. But if you have a trailer for the Batman, I'll watch that over and over again. Okay. Yes. I, uh, I, I go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say I haven't watched the movie yet, but uh, every scene is just visually gorgeous. Well, it's Batman, and you're you know predisposed to loving all things Batman. That is true. I am biased. Uh. <laughs> Super biased. <laughs> but people have even people who hate movies have said that they like this new movie. So yeah, I, totally. It looks good. I'll wait for it on video. I I think I heard someone say that it was going to come out to HBO Max in April or something or next month. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I'm going to go see it there, if I'm just going to wait for it to come to HBO Max or if I'm going to go see it in the theater. I have I still haven't really felt courageous enough. I haven't mustered the courage to go to a movie theater yet, which is really bad because like I love movie theaters. I love the crowds. I love going there on premiere night. And now I'm just like, don't you dare breathe on me. Yeah, well, you can go to a matinee or something. Nobody's in there still. That is what I'm thinking about doing for Batman. And you can spend the extra few bucks and buy a couple, you know, seats around you. And then now you have this, like, encased bubble. <laughs> uh, my friend asked me, they're like, uh, so would you go see Batman if I rented the whole theater? I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, <laughs> but only me in the theater that you have to <laughs> I've I've checked. I've uh, I, I, my friends are good about making sure everyone's vaxxed. Uh, I remember back during uh what was it December or November? It was during Hanukkah. I went to a party and I was just like, "Hooray for vaccinations!" Right? Just to test to see who, if anyone fights me, they are they aren't vaccinated. <laughs> a little social grenade. But you got you got to say you got to say something that'll offend a conservative person to find out if they're vaccinated or not. <laughs> Holy shit, man! <laughs> I drew a comic where I'm just like uh, I, I recently drew a comic where I'm yelling uh, let's go Brandon and if I hear someone respond they're not vaccinated <laughs> you are crazy you you are too <laughs> political I'm neutral Iron Tusk is neutral 100% has no opinions about anything That's the which safe- is that is a good route because that lets you have a wider audience, a wider following, which is oftentimes the smartest decision. And I don't think, and to my place as a miniature painter, to make any really critiques on anything political from that end. What I feel as Ian Phillips is different from what Iron Tusk feels. Like, you know, I'm allowed to separate the two. I'm here, if anything, you're painting miniatures or watching me paint or enjoy the art for art's sake, not a political statement of, you know, shall we all worship Cthulhu or whatever it may be? It's, you know, I'm not my place. Do you I, have anyone that tries to bring politics into it? No, no, I, I have a different problem. <laughs> I have I have people who like me or friend me or talk to me because I'm so close to the critical role people. So you kind of like, mm, you don't want to be rude, but at the same time, you're like, uh, I don't want to talk to you. What, what what do you mean? Why? <laughs> like, they'll always end the conversation. Well, if you ever need any help with any of the critical role movies, you let me know. 
<laughs> and I, I, I don't have the heart to tell him you can't even paint fucking eyes, man. I'm, I'm not going to reach it out to you. It's always the people who have no talent that want to like jump on your back and like ride it like a little crazy monkey or something. You're like, nee, 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 nee. and then you have to like not be nice to them you know, or like ignore them and have to pull that whole like, I don't have to answer you. So that's that's a whole new thing for me. I, I wasn't used to that. That's so strange because they just want to get some of that critical light uh, shimmer onto them, <laughs> critical role shimmer onto them. The fan base is fanatical. Um, mm-hmm. the, the crew, the cast, everybody's amazing, but the fan base is friggin' fanatical. I um, was painting the second season first minis. The the ones they started to end up using was done by Matt Hart. Phenomenal. But I got the first set that were done in bronze and brass. And I didn't get uh, one of the characters yet. I got hate mail. Hate mail. Death threat hate mail. Because I did not physically have the miniature in my possession to paint that miniature. To show on my Instagram that I had the miniature of this particular voice actor character that they liked. Holy Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I eventually got that miniature, and the reason was it was Ashley Johnson. She was on the TV show Blind Spot or whatever at the time. She mm-hmm. was doing filming for that, so she didn't even give the information to Matt Mercer, the dungeon master, to give to me yet. There was nothing to do. That wasn't even in existence yet. So the, the fan base is fanatical. What was the kind of death threats that you received? Like... I'll fucking hunt you down and kill you if you don't, like, paint that thing up. I want to see it. I love this person. And there were a lot of them. I think it was more focused on she is the actress. The person loved her, you know, like, obsessive compulsive. And it was just, this is the character she's going to play. I need to see everything about it. Why don't you have it? So it was like a fanaticism. Wow. Uh, I've I've received, (laughs) not death threats, but I've had people tell me – it's funny when people tell me when it, people insult me with an acronym because then I have to Google what the acronym stands for. Yeah, man, I totally like. What the fuck is this? Man? Are yeah. you trying to hurt my feelings? I don't know what these letters mean, man. I don't want to have to do homework to find out what you're saying about me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, welcome to getting old, Jimmy. I, I I've I've. You say that, but I've never been young enough to understand acronyms. <laughs> yeah, they get worse. I'm just, what? What the what? The what? Well, one I see all the time, I always have something else in my head. And I'm like, this sentence doesn't make sense. So I have to look it up. Oh, for when the time. Oh, I have like fucking Wheel of Fortune or something in my head. I don't, <laughs> don't want to solve your riddle to be insulted. Yeah, exactly. Come at me with simple insults. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Just tell me to go F, fuck, fuck off or whatever. Tell me I smell bad. That'll be so much easier than having to figure out what your inside joke is about me. <laughs> right. Another – uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm – you were going to start something. I want to hear what you're going to start. Um, so I did um, uh, a painting show with Critical Role called uh, Mini Primetime. And I was just the technical person that painted this stuff. I wasn't on screen or anything. But man, I went through the comments. The hate there was hilarious. Just the, oh my God, why do they do it this way? I'm like, because the production schedule? You know, like they don't have any insight of how any of this works. But everybody's like, 
uh, a sideline quarterback and have it all figured out. They knew what they're going to do. And like, you have no information. Just enjoy this. But people like hating. People like trolling. It's in their it's, blood. It's funny because, okay, so I, I don't mind doing video of me drawing because that's just me doing drawing. You can't give me any tips. Or, I mean, if you do have tips, a lot of times you're an actual artist and your tips make sense. Right. But I won't I won't do any videos of me doing anything digital because then people have opinions and I don't want to hear anything from the peanut gallery. Yeah. I don't know how people on Twitch do it. And maybe the ones that have like two or three people watching them and they're like, oh my God, it's the greatest thing I've ever seen. Awesome. Then you have people who are like five, 6,000 people who watch them. They're just, oh man, I hate the way they did it. Wow. You have time for that? How do yeah, you have time but- for that? Tell me where you find this time to hate. And the, the motivation, where does the motivation come from? Like you, you actually have to go into the, the, the comment section to be able to type that up. And I, the confidence it takes to be like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to have such a stinging insult and I'm going to, I'm going to spell every word correctly. So I don't look like an asshole when I'm being an asshole. (laughs) No, totally. Yeah, everybody's going to side with me. Watch this. They fucking suck. Oh, I'm going to be so cool. I'm going to have so many fans with this one insult. Yep. Damn. <laughs> Burns you. <laughs> or bed tonight. I burned that guy. He's going to sit my, there and think about it. One of my favorite things is, uh, I, I think it was a friend. Someone insulted a friend, and they I, I come back at them, and they were like, uh, they're like, dude, I'm just having an opinion. I was like, and I am too. This is this is how this is how it works. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you making your opinion. I'm not censoring you. I'm not getting rid of your opinion. I'm just saying I'm I'm interacting with you now. Right. Your <laughs> your entitlement to an opinion goes with me too. I get I get to have it as well. And you're you're I'm I'm teaching you that some opinions hurt feelings. <laughs> and then you're a snowflake, right? Then you're you're a wuss. You're you're yeah. you know some derogatory remark or whatever the person has to come up with because you're not tough enough. To handle their criticism. Yet they've uh, never painted anything. They've never drawn anything. They've never put their, their self out there. You know, and that's just it. When you do any of that stuff, you are opening yourself to just trolls and hate comments. And, you know, um, the best thing I think, any advice I could tell you is just don't read the comments at all. Doesn't matter, good or bad, just don't read them. Just do, my, do what you do. My favorite insult is beta. I fucking love hearing beta. I love yeah. hearing people call me beta. Yeah, it's it's the like it's an of, alpha, beta, yeah. gamma, yeah. delta, echelon. Well, they, they they don't go down the rest of the alphabet. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like alpha's number one, right? Beta's number yeah. two. So then Charlie's number three. Is that right? Am I going military now? And and I will often ask him. I was like, which which other letter can I be? Can I be further down? Like why stay why stay at beta? That's just second place. I can go further. There's twenty six letters, man. <laughs> Go for it, yeah. Well, beta. Oh my god. It's it's hilarious, and I feel I feel so bad because okay, so I forget the name of the scientist, but the scientist who come who came up with the term uh, alpha, uh, the alpha male or the alpha of the pack. Right. Um, he made he did the research, and he's like, well, he, yeah, he did the research, and then he came up with this term, and he wrote a book, and everyone loved the term, and then a few years later, he's like, you know, I've done more research. And uh, I was full of shit. Uh, alpha does not exist. There's no alpha male. There's no alpha of the pack. It's not real. And people were like, 
no, I don't believe you. I was like, no, I wrote the book, though. Yeah, but it changes their narrative. It changes their narrative. (laughs) I'm no longer number one. Alpha's one. A's one. A's the first. Yeah. (laughs) And I've I've had a conversation where someone posted this thing that said, you know what the alpha males actually do? The alpha of the pack actually feed the rest of the people. So you're not alpha. You're just a dick. And I'm just like, no, there's no alpha. There's no, that doesn't, that doesn't, it doesn't exist. And they're like, oh, well, that's what they're saying. I'm like, no, they're saying that alpha does exist, but it does a different thing. It doesn't exist. I can't stress that enough. There's no such thing. <laughs> People believe what they want to believe, man. You just let it go. And they're, <laughs> they're, they want to believe what they want to believe and ignore the person who's correcting himself. That's so weird. I love it. <laughs> well, like I said, it changes their, narr- their, their narrative and then what they have in their head. They believe this. And I mean, there's people who built entire companies on alpha and dog and you know, number one, and those, you know, you'll destroy all that. Can't do that, Jimmy. You can't do that. I, I like to think that that scientist feels like Dr. Frankenstein, like they made this monster and it's out of control. <laughs> well, then you have the people with the pitchforks and the torches coming after, you know, old, old monster Frankensteins. Which is funny because they're coming after the Frank, the monster. Yeah. No, shit. All right. This. This comparison actually works out because, like, no Universal Monster Deep Dive with Jimmy. Go. It's not like the scientist is hiding at all. The guy who studied it and who came up with a term, he's not hiding that he came up with a term. His name is out there, but no one's going against him. No, no one even knows he exists. I mean, I know he exists, and I still don't know his name. I don't remember his name. <laughs> Call him Frankenstein. Frankenstein. <laughs> Frankenstein. Frankenstein. <laughs> You're putting me on. <laughs> um, oh, good time. Would you prefer? Would you prefer to paint a monster in a black and white universe or a Lisa Frank one? Who the fuck is Lisa Frank? Oh, Lisa Frank is yeah. Angie's. No, your sister told me. I I read that. I said the same thing. He goes, "You should say it, Ian. You should say it." I'm like, "But who is it? I don't look it up." <laughs> the world of trapper keepers and shit and unicorns. Um, black and white. Which is I'm a lot just, harder. Hold on, hold on. I'm glad that I'm glad that Nicole told you to say that because I'm just wondering how many people are actually. I wonder who's listening to this and they had the same kind of expression of like, "What?" <laughs> Take a poll. Take a poll. Black and white or Lisa? <laughs> <laughs> who knows who? I was like, "Fuck this!" Had to Google it. Google image it. <laughs> well, I'm just curious because like uh. I, I always love it whenever uh, a cosplayer will do a black and white character and they'll be that their costume is black and white, their makeup is black and white, because it's just visually interesting to see a black and white character in the real world. Right. Uh, Pleasantville did it in their movie and it's cool, but in the real world, it's very jarring and very strange and I just love it. And so I'm just wondering if you would want to make characters monsters, if you made like a kaiju monster and made it look like an old 50s movie where it's black and white. What would you prefer to do, black and white or the ridiculously fusion, <laughs> ridiculously vibrant world of Lisa Frank, where everything looks like you need sunglasses to look at? I tend to lean toward uh, the Frank because I just like color. And black and white done right is really, really hard in painting. Really hard because there's no black and there's no white. There's just colors of gray. You know, but in miniatures, the smaller you go, the more contrast you need to make it pop. The bigger you go, the less contrast you need, but the more people could see all the detail. So you're like, ooh, you got to take more time. So it's it's so I'd go with color. <laughs> Color's easier. 
that would be incredibly hard. Like I know with, with when you're painting, isn't it like where when it dries, it darkens? Is it the same thing with a miniature? Because like how would you know how to make the different shades of gray to make sure that it's different? Well, believe it or not, yes, they do generally dry different than wet, but a lot of high-end miniature paints tend to really be as accurate as possible out of the bottle. So that's why you're paying five bucks for you know, 0.17 milliliters of paint and using it a drop at a time is because you want what's in the, what you see in the bottle is what you want on your character, color or character or miniature or whatever. So, but they do dry a little differently, especially if they have like a, a matte or a sheen or a, a, a satin finish and each, each manufacturer does a little differently. I love matte so much. Matte's great. That's the best. Like even when people have like matte nail polish, I'm just always in love with matte. I love it so much. <laughs> That's cool. It's really well, it's everything's glossy to give it that slick look, but if you can do a matte, as you know, it looks really if you can pull off matte, it looks really good. I when I came up with the question, I figured I kind of guessed that you would go with Lisa Frank because some of your uh monsters have had a Lisa Frank kind of look. Like I've seen uh oh, shit, what's that monster? Uh D D fans are gonna be pissed off at me. Oh, wow. Um it's the it's the it's the eye monster the beholder yeah you've done a lot of really vibrant yeah beholder and everyone's like what the fuck jimmy you are definitely a D player if you can't remember that monster's name and the thing is jimmy <laughs> we talked about you'd be an amazing dm you'd absolutely be <laughs> with your imagination you don't have to do miniatures you could all be theater of the mind you just have to read the <laughs> damn rule book um I've seen some of your beholders and a lot of them have been very vibrant and gorgeous. Thank you. And I'm, uh, cause like I've done artwork of beholders and I've always like had to Google stuff to be able to understand what I'm, I, I think I even saw like a ghost beholder and that was pretty awesome. Yeah. And it's always so interesting to see what kind of colors you come up with for these monsters. Cause it always makes me think of like, like the, the more vibrant beholders that you've done, I think about like the bright colored monsters, monsters, animals in the real world, where whenever there's something that's bright colored, it means that's poisonous. And it always makes me think about that whenever I see a monster of yours that's bright. I like fantastical. Um, when I first started painting, we do the, the black primer coat and paint over that, which obviously, as you well know, makes everything dark on top of it. And then for years, I said, well, I need to be brighter. So I used to paint everything white. And then you'd have like little specks of white in, in the deepest recesses that you just couldn't get to. So I kind of learned to do both where I start black and then I zenithal prime from the top with white ink. So then that catches all the highlights. And then from there, you can play with all the colors going back and forth and mix and match or wet blend or, you know, pointism and get textures to things by running like thin lines or little dots and textures. All of it's thin to go back to our original thing to trick the eye and to trick the mind of the, the eyes, the, the mind's eye, if you will, into seeing a texture or a feeling or or smoothness that you want. So, yeah. So there are some pieces that I've done where I've done like the base and then I add the highlights and I liked how that looked, but I'm not done yet. But I still save that image just because I really enjoy what it looks like. Right. Do you have photos like of that where you 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 know that you still have a lot of more you still have a lot more journey to go on with this miniature, but you still really enjoy how it looks like right now, so you just take a photo of that just to keep for yourself. 
this guy. I really like this how guy? he's looking. Yeah, I can't. There we go. See if I can do this here. Okay, that's better. So he's like a bright green, and the camera's not. Nah, that's crap. That's okay. That's all right. <laughs> but anyway, the uh, he's bright green, really bright. Like I basically took this ink, this fluorescent ink, and used that. So that's a, that's a cool green. Yeah, it's called Tesseract. It's a Games Workshop color. It's designed for their robot race laser beams. So anyway, I used that for the skin of the goblins because I wanted this hyper green. But they started off like this, dark green. And then I'll use a white ink spray on the top of it, and then I'll use that color that picks up the white ink, and then they're blended between the shadows of dark gray, and then they have this like hyper green on top, and then I'll go back through by hand and like paint in all the muscles with like a, a medium dark green. That's, you know. What words of advice would you give to someone who wants to get into the miniature painting business? Practice, 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 practice. Have fun with it, but practice. If you want to get in and you want to be a heavy hitter, you have to practice. You can't flake. You have to take on all projects. You have to sacrifice. I mean, I, I, I painted a long time for free before I started charging, just to get my name out there, just to get it out there. Anything it took. So, and don't quit your day job unless you're going to like broadcast or YouTube it up or make money off that. I don't really have those channels because I just don't have the time, but you know, it's a lot of work, but if you want it, go for it. <laughs>